0: Hello and welcome to the Mangal Media Show. I am Mangal Media Editor-in-Chief, Efe Levant. To learn more about us and follow the articles discussed on the show, please visit our website www.mangalmedia.net. Mangal Media is supported entirely by reader donations. If you like our content and would like to see more of it, please check out our pledge options from our Patreon site. Listeners who like fiction, can also buy our illustrated short story, Guide to Every City, written by myself and illustrated by Ala al Guide to Every City is a guide for a fictional city inhabited by insects. The three different species of insect in every city, hopsters, sloggers, and buzzies live segregated lives on their isolated neighborhoods. The book not only presents a commentary on social divisions within urban life, it also satirizes contemporary travel writing, The fictional author of the guide, Steve McCracker, is a thoroughly unrelatable hipster who genuinely believes that the rest of the world did not exist until he discovered it for some over-designed travel magazine. You will laugh, you will cringe, in the words of Steve, you will never be the same again. In this episode, we are catching up with Mangal Media writer and editor Sharanya Deepa talk about India's COVID response and compare the socio-political histories of Turkey and India. The episode ends prematurely due to disconnection on our Zoom call. How are you, Sharanya?
1: Hi, I'm okay. I'm just having a busy day. It's, um, It's like the middle of summer here, so it's super hot in Delhi. I think it's about 41 or something today. 41 Celsius. degrees. Yeah. um, 41 degrees Celsius. So it's quite... And because we... Like, it's really urbanized where I live. It's a lot of building heat. Mm. So I can get really tiring just being outside. But also, we, it's like the best season for mangoes. Um, So that's a good, oh, like, yes. silver silver lining to the whole thing. Um, I'm much more used to the heat than I used to be about, uh, you know, some years ago because I've... I, I used to kind of go away for the summer either to the hills or... I lived in Brussels in Belgium for a while, so I wasn't used to it. But, like, now, yeah, it, it's been fine. Like, it's just there, there's this specific time from, like, 3 to 5.30, which is hard. Otherwise, yeah.
0: It's okay. Oh, then it gets, like, <laughs> normal again.
1: I mean, it's, like, it's still hot, But I think you should like, learn to, like, be like, yeah, okay, this is just the weather that's going to be. So, it's not, um, yeah, it's not, it's not so drastic as I was imagining. I think I have a lot of, like, fear of summer in my head. Um, but in it, it's been okay, you know, and also because we've been in lockdown for a very long time. I mean, we are still in lockdown, so we haven't been outside. So inside, everybody has their water coolers or like their air conditionings. If you're middle class, you have these things on. Um, and then when you go outside, you realize it's quite hot. But it's basically that kind of maybe dissonance that gets people
0: hmm. afraid
1: of the heat. But um, otherwise, it's fine.
0: Yes, I mean, one of the advantages not, of Delhi is that uh, it's not humid at least, right?
1: I mean, not yet. So, what they're saying is that the monsoon is going to arrive uh, 12 or 15 days early. So, that's about maybe in like a week hmm. uh, because there's been cyclones in the west of India. So, uh, our temperature, like our, our climate's gotten a bit, you know, it's just going to be deranged because of that. So, they're saying that So it's it, it is going to be humid soon and that's definitely harder. So, right now, yeah, right now we don't have
0: that. So
1: this but is a good the thing progress. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, comparatively, comparatively, it's okay. It's never like, the thing is, like, you know, weather wise, it's never good in Delhi, except I think February is good. Uh, October, November used to be good, but now it's smoky. Mm. So, like, that's been ruined. But the joke about Delhi weather is that, I think the joke about Delhi in general is that if you have a good thing, then you fuck it up. <laughs> so so now the joke is that you we had like a good autumn and uh, we managed like screw it up um, uh-huh. and obviously there's many reasons behind that but yeah so i mean it's just it's just life like it's fine it's okay so, so
0: how are people coping with the restrictions and stuff in delhi the uh, vaccination process as i'm hearing has picked up pace
1: It has picked up pace. I think like in all of India, I've not checked the figures as of like two days ago, but I think it's like 3% of people have been vaccinated, even Mm. though it's been quite aggressive. Uh, Because of our population sizes being so high, um, it's not very much. Now, in Delhi, it's better because um, the Delhi government's been setting up a bunch of vaccination centers and schools and things like that. Uh, You know, as for the lockdown, I remember the first lockdown, People were quite adamant. They didn't really understand the virus up till then. Um, there wasn't that much education about it. The government is very flippant about actually communicating to people what's happening,
0: mm-hmm.
1: about what's happening. So they just, like, locked things down immediately. And not mm-hmm. because of, you know, like, with, like, no real measures in place and things like that. So, but this time, because COVID has been so frightening, uh, I think everybody, um, obviously, depending on your social class, like, more so or not has known someone that's died or known many people that's died so it's it, it's it's been more terrifying than before because it's actually come with such force and like it's killed a lot of people uh so that's that's like you know it scared people that i i see the difference to like in the way that people kind of like address the virus in a way because like it, it's definitely much scarier than before the way that it came i think in the beginning of april and then in May, May was horrific. I was I was like COVID positive as well. And weirdly enough, like being COVID positive, I had to take care of my own health. So I was um, had to blissfully unaware of the news just because I um, had to really, like I was sick, you know, I was asleep all day or something. So I wasn't really like reading the news and staying in touch with what's happening. So in that way, like it was a weird blessing to be like, <laughs> like, because being being one of the numbers myself, like, I wasn't aware of the kind of negligence and the complete dismissal of the virus by the Modi government, like, by our government right now. Um, yeah, but it's it's just been a really scary time, like, with between me and my parents, I think we know, like, 10 people that have passed away, you know, and... Um, uh, yeah, and we know people that, like, have privileges, like, they have privileges of medicine and income and shelter, so I imagine that would like people that don't necessarily have that it's it's been much harder so it's it's been a hard one like i think it's just been everyone's been a bit grief struck for the last two months now we're coming out of it um vaccinations have started the so i don't know the exact specifics on this but the supreme court of india which is like the main central court in delhi has kind of like taken it up with the government with the bjp government at the center uh, asking them to streamlined vaccination drives asking them to one not make it so expensive it's very expensive in private clinics it's 850 rupees which is about um you know uh seven dollars i think for one shot which is oh no more i'm not sure if i'm, if I'm thinking. so but like 850 Indian rupees is a lot of money um for anyone uh, i guess not for like very rich people but like it's a it's a considerable like it's a it's a good amount of money so they've kind of like you know and everyone is kind of like celebrating the supreme court having bucked up with this and like but we live in a country in which our um prime minister the leader of this country has had to be scolded has had to be like has had to be like you know um uh, kind of like pulled up by the court which is really sad so yeah it's just been a it's been a it's it's just been a trying time um lot of like there's been a lot of citizen-led efforts for to battle hunger and to um take care of medicine and to like provide oxygen cylinders and things like that um obviously people with like better income and caste privilege have benefited from this situation uh because of the way that indian society is structured and like creviced there's been a lot of like and and therefore the system kind of breaking down people had like you know, with, like, less privileges, I've had to, uh, like, kind of scramble for basic rights, so it's just, it's been a weird time, I can, and the way that, at least around me, that, like, my parents have been dealing is that they've just taken to worship, and I think, like, a lot of, this happens in a lot of Indian households, where, if you have religious parents, as I do, um, they, like, don't want to talk about anything, but they want to pray more, my mom less, so my mom's not very religious, my dad is, and it's just, I've not been able to like speak to anybody about what's happening because my parents don't want to talk about it. So it's just more kind of like, so I've had to like respect the fact that they want to pray, you know, they want to like do that and um, figure out ways to channel this. But um, uh, yeah, it's getting better now. We're all hoping to be vaccinated by October or something. So what are the
0: aspects that your parents don't want to talk about? Like are they, is it, is it the people dying or is it just how they feel?
1: I think it's the people dying. I think it's how they feel. I think they have to admit to the negligence of the government. I think being Hindus themselves or with caste privilege, they have to admit to they've not been uh, BJP voters. Both my parents, they've not voted for this government, but they have been blind to a lot of what their social location has kind of given them. You know, so they've like they've had to like grapple with what what part they have to play. Um, in the building of this of this government of the country like this, and I think that is something that they find hard. And obviously, that is something that I find hard as well. Like obviously, I have like Twitter and Instagram, and like I pretend that like I'm like well more well versed than them. But but then but getting down to it and like using the language that you've learned into action is not easy. And uh, my father is quite a believer in like egalitarian like socialist policy, especially when it comes to medicine. And um, for him, it's been a huge blow to see how the vaccines haven't been rolled out by the government. Um, and I think that he didn't challenge this before, but like it's obviously like saddened him quite a lot because this is a cause that he um, cares about. And um, I've got the like I've been getting the people in the that work in the building and whoever I can like with the like I got them the private vaccination, which is quite expensive. So we crowdfunded a bit and then we like got people vaccinated. And then I also got the private vaccination for my first dose. And he's just kind of anti-privatizing like privatizing anything. Yeah. So, but yeah, which is fine, which is great. But then he's also not admitting to the fact that he's living in a country where the people that head it are pro-privatization of everything-like medicine, education, um, you know, just like everything is going to uh, agriculture, you know, food produce, everything. Like all of these laws have been passed. So he's. I think he's having a bit of a problem with that. And uh, for the people that have passed, like most have been my parents' age, they've been their friends. So, um, like my father's lost about three friends. So, I think it's been a bit hard for him to figure it out, you know. Like, and it's all been because of state negligence. Like, not because, like because they didn't get hospitals. It's not because they were severely ill. Like his best friend from when he was in university passed because he's a very he was a healthy man. Um, but because he literally couldn't get a hospital bed, he, you know, passed away. Because he, he it couldn't was completely
0: get... completely avoidable.
1: Yeah, it was completely avoidable. So it's something that he's had to think about, and he's had to think about, like, state negligence and things like that. Like, things that have not affected him before. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like now everyone is like, oh, the system has collapsed, and India has... But it's actually hit Hindus, uh, this crisis, right? Like, before this... Uh, people from marginalized caste, within Hinduism or like Indian Muslims have been having a horrendous time mm. under this government. They've been having a, like if you talk about like being, Im- you know, like your body's becoming um, perishable under a mm. under a state. Like people have experienced that. And uh, now it's kind of, it's extended to other to communities that the BJP wasn't preying on before. So that to me has been interesting or whatever to watch so it's a bit sad to see that like when it comes to your backyard is essentially when you figure out that something needs to change now yeah so but like now we're hoping that there'll be more vaccinations and there'll be more there'll be more like you know in supplies the current, and
0: in the current state of affairs like if um, the actions of bjp are causing harm to absolutely everyone in india in this current state then who is still left supporting BJP?
1: I mean, still a lot of people, actually. Like, um, they formed a really solid base of uh, followers, not on the basis of logic, but on the basis of like sentimental um, hysteria, almost, you know. So there are still a lot of people that will go on to say that it's not his fault or that it's not the government's fault. It's almost as if. The people that follow the bjp the people that we call Bhaks, which is like hindi for uh worshippers like loyalists almost um but to the degree that like you can't persuade them out of it um so people have almost gone to the extent to say that it's like not the government's duty to look after their citizens you know so there are i think i'm a little bit more kind of convinced that there are less people agreeing with these policies than before, but a lot of my friends who are a bit more cynical and probably a bit more like um, well-versed in the in the situation of the political sphere in our country say that there are still a lot of people that like... I mean, they, they still have their majority intact. Now, that to me is really scary. Um, that speaks to me about like how much religious polarization can feed into a, a country uh, and kind of convince them that power is the ultimate goal even if like people from their own communities die so um yeah there is a lot of there still is there there still is a lot of like belief in um in in modi at least like not even if the bjp like him as a figure i think he has quite a he has quite a grasp on mm-hmm. people's minds and people's sentiments you know in a way so um and i think what the polarization has done is that we have lived in a time where like people like me people who are like Anglophone and went to liberal schools and things like that. Who and I'm different from my dad, for example. who didn't. He didn't go to an English-speaking school. He's not English-speaking, so like, he's from a different community. But like he, he's like he and he voted for the BJP the first time because he thought that they would. Yeah. So so so he thought that they would make better policies or something. But the second time he didn't. This this was in um, the first election, so that's 2012. Mm -hmm. Is when he voted for them. And he only admitted it at last, but it's not because he like uh, agrees with them or like worships them, but he's someone that unlike me, because I'm more middle class than him, he's been affected by actual policy, right? Like he needs welfare schemes and he needs medicine and he needs employment and things like that to be a actual thing. Now, for me, because I work for people abroad and I'm kind of suspended from this country, even though I'm very much part of it. Um, I can have a certain kind of ideology with how things work but for him i think him like many people who didn't believe in them before who didn't believe in their religious polarization was convinced that they would like do something um for welfare and for employment but then they didn't so he voted differently but he's like a small yeah he's like a small percentage of bjp voters i think a lot of bjp voters are people that are yeah people that are just hinged on this idea of like hindutva power of this idea of like one nation, what they call a Khand Bharat, which is essentially just means like one India, but for Hindus, you know, like a India for Hindus kind of thing. So that that that is so powerful mm-hmm. that this has mean it it has disrupted that. But I don't know if it's really conquered that vision uh, just yet.
0: So just to understand the kind of political stance of BJP, aside from the Hindutva aspect, because I was I was surprised Uh, Earlier you talked about, and this is kind of known about BJP also, that they're kind of into like privatizing a lot of the industries. There was a thing even about, this is a big story, back like five, six years ago, when Facebook tried to do like a free internet scheme in in India and they would like distribute the internet to everyone, but like the, the entire internet would be accessible through Facebook. And Modi was kind of up for that, but there was a lot of campaigning against it and stuff like that. So it sounds a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, Modi economic policy is kind of almost kind of this cyberpunk privatizing everything, making it into kind of governed by corporations, kind of dystopian scheme. But you say that your father has voted for them in 2012 in the hope that they would initiate welfare policy, was that was that like a change in their economic ideas or or did they, I don't know, give a wrong signal or something?
1: No, I think honestly, like I think that they kind of like, it it was a tad bit of like, we will build highways and we will build schools and we will do all these things. And also uh, before this, we had the Congress government um, which was lazy and corrupt and also very much, you know, like, like kind of pandered to the minority english-speaking liberal um casteless what they call (laughs) class of the country not at all casteless at all so it alienated a huge majority of people including my dad um even though he has no such lack of privilege is more so but he you know like it just it, it just wasn't the kind of leader that he wanted to see and they i think there was like a lot of corruption scandals a lot of Uh, proof that they were not doing very much for employment uh, or doing very much to like really uplift or like even talk to the working class of this country. So um, for some reason, Modi came around and I actually, I'm not versed in this very well, but he came around and he said that he was going to change this stuff. You know, they they said they were going to make internet accessible and they did. They said they were going to make jobs. They didn't, but they did say that he spoke to people that had had been sidelined for a very long time. So I think people like my father kind of got swept up in that, um, which is completely credible and justified if I look at it in a certain point of, mm. you know, like like like through a certain. Now, what? I, but the thing that I can't understand is that uh, he was in old, like I mean, he was very aware of what happened in Gujarat and the Modi, like what, the anti-Muslim riots, and uh, you know, like Babri Masjid, which is yes, in Ayodhya, yes, so... being demolished and things like that. So he was very aware of that. Now, for someone to take a chance. Aside from that, I, I can only gosh that we must have been in a very desperate situation as a country mm. to have elected somebody like that. I don't want to dismiss BJP voters as like fundamentalists, you know, like yes. two-time BJP voters. Like I definitely want to ask them why they voted for a second time, like, um, like, like voted as government for a second time, even though they didn't fulfill any of those promises in their first term. So that is something that I'm confused about. But to need a change of governance, I think is like a is like a fair thing. So for me, as someone that like did, for me like the humanitarian aspect of this country is the most important. Now, for a lot of people uh, to have jobs accessible and to have internet and just to have like kind of like equal equality in the face of like society was more important and for some reason Modi seemed to appeal to that mm. um so yeah so but I also think that he's like after a while like really stagnant politics um you know kind of like heritage politics now the the the congress is the congress is like our first um it was like the first political party in India right so it's like sons of sons of sons kind mm. and people like welcome the disruption uh, whoever it was so yeah There was a bit of that so i think for my dad like a lot of was that like when you just like what happens we're headed by somebody else like what happened then uh, i think i think he regrets it but like, it's definitely yeah, it's something to think about
0: you live and learn yeah from your mistakes i mean what what i find astounding. i'm often kind of i, I kind of object to the idea because there is this kind of popular A discourse in, I suppose, what could be defined as the left globally of lumping in all the leaders you don't like into the same category like Trump yeah is the same as modi who is the same as talib erdogan who is the same as putin like we don't like these people they we all think that they're autocrats. of course then you put them in a big basket and then you say that you know these people are basically all hitler i always find that yeah. kind of comparison to be completely insensitive um, and blind to the difference in context between all these places, but I also can't help but be quite fascinated by possible like historical comparisons between like the political development in different places. And I've always felt that like in Turkey, and we talked about this with you a lot, but in Turkey we have this kind of obsession of always kind of comparing ourselves with the quote-unquote West, with like Europe, with uh, with the US, yeah. and. Uh, but we never kind of look into the history of countries which we have other similarities with, uh, yeah. To, to pick up lessons from there, and this kind of dynamic that you talk about between BJP and the Congress Party, uh, I mean, Congress Party is basically the party that was inherited from Gandhi and Nehru and all those guys. Like they were like the founding. Yeah. Guys, right? Yeah, it's
1: the party. Yeah.
0: Exactly. In Turkey, we have the CHP. The, uh, the, Democrats, no, the Republican People's Party. And mm-hmm. this is the party basically that was inherited from Atatürk and Ismet İnönü, the people who fought in the Turkish independence war, who like actually led the Turkish independence war. And they have founded Turkey as like a single party state. It was kind of, you know, left orientated. It was kind of like a statist economy yeah and for a long time they were they were like the hub of power and still to this day they're like the main opposition party and like you describe with the with the congress party a lot of the times they've they're seen as being kind of detached uh from the people a lot of mm-hmm. the times they are seen as wanting to stick to the founding father the values of the founding fathers without making any compromise i mean it's been uh, hundred years since the turkish republic was founded like especially with yeah like looking down on religion which is a theme that i suppose is like very much common in this a lot of them yeah right a lot of the backbone of the party are kind of like foreign educated i mean I, i wouldn't be i wouldn't want to be unfair to them but a lot like if you're like a foreign educated turkish person in turkey like 90% chance that you will be supporting the Republican Party over the AKP, which is the party in power right now. So a lot of the strategy of uh, AKP for the past 20 years, they've been in power for a long time. So for the past 20 years, they've been in power. They have been kind of exploiting this. They have been saying like, look, you know, these people are, you know, against our religion. They want to destroy uh, everything that we love. They want to, I don't know. um, Hmm they want to completely annihilate all traditional values that we have in this country and the republicans they have kind of allowed this to be fed that's why i really understand your hesitancy in Mm. kind of looking down on bjp voters as just considering them to be uh, what's the word like Bigoted, Hindu yeah. because at some point or another like people who live here need to engage with one another on some platform and if you definitely. are constantly looking down on people and berating them then you're not taking a responsibility in stepping up and making a change
1: yeah definitely you know i like the thing is that the congress party very much was like a secular people's party right, yes, right no right. but secularism can't really erase faith now to be like, okay, we are a secular country, therefore both Islam and Hinduism that are very much part of everybody's lives in this country don't exist because mm. we are all the same. Mm. Was kind of like this principle of the way that the Congress filtered into public discourse. I don't really know if that was what they were aiming for, but that's just how we live the Congress here. And um, I very much am um, a product of this time because my father kind of sent me into what it is a very like Nehruvian uh, school whatever like they actually say that about themselves you know so so he wanted me to be part of this kind of like suspended upper middle class elite and i don't know if it, i i don't know if i'm like i have like kind of i'm i don't know if i've like assimilated into this class like economically but ideologically like you know there was i was surrounded by people that were not that were not religious but like belonged to different kinds of faiths uh it was it was easier for me to meet like I have more Muslim friends than my dad, or like I have like you know like the, like these like our societies mingled a bit more, but because we were all Anglophone and we were, you know, we were just like from a place where where we were already kind of suspended from the very everyday realities of religious communities in the country. So I think that, but it's a tiny minority like this, um, this kind of like congressy Nairobian like population so i think I, th- I think i think a lot of people are like oh when the bjp if you finally get of them we should go back to like the congress years i really don't think that makes any sense you know because um it, it was it was a time that alienated people heavily and people from like non from like from like within hinduism like from like uh, uh you know caste that were not recognized or benefited from this and um you know, like religious Muslims, that's definitely something that didn't flourish during the Congress era. Also, so I like we just have to think about things differently. And I think that everyone has this kind of rose-tinted image of like the progressive India, because India. I think one thing India tried to do when we became independent. Uh, which at the same time as Pakistan, as like India was also India, but it's also not Pakistan, you know, like so it was like much like India and Pakistan were formed on the 15th of August, 1947. Mm-hmm. So India, so like Pakistan is like a country for Muslims in South Asia and India is everything, but not Pakistan. So there was like a lot of, the, you know, there were all this like kind of like pseudo-progressive ideas and things that we thought we were doing, but it's obviously come to bite everybody <laughs> back. So I think there's a lot of thinking to be done um, for a country that said for too long that it was like, you know, a-religious. The, we, have related, we have like elected the most like kind of fanatic government into power and they've managed to stay. So we have, ha- we have to think about this kind of stuff. And I don't, ex- I, I, I think that another thing that people do is that they exclude themselves from the from like, like when I think about BJP voters, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like separate myself from them, you know? Like, that's really dumb. It's still parts of my community and play, people mm. I interact with and worlds I live in. So I definitely, yeah, it's hard to be around people that were like saying places of the government and just like shouted me for being a different kind of person or like, you know, they're, like people that are like sexist and like Islamophobic and just like afraid of women. And it, it, it's difficult to be around people like this. But mm. I definitely don't want to come to the point and I don't know how I'm going to manage this to dismiss them to be like yeah this is not my like this is not this is it like this is I'm part of this heritage I've definitely I you know like I have a part of playing this as do all of us um, that had any benefits from this congress kind of yes. government so we have to think about this we really have to think about where to go from here and it can't be back like that's one thing that I'm sure about like hmm. I definitely don't want to go back to anything like if it's if if this is going to change and if we're going to go forward it has to be something different it has to be something you know just fair and like equalizing not like what we had before as cushy as it may have seemed to the west and things like that like mm-hmm. <laughs> it was not
0: so yeah i think one of the interesting things that emerges out of conversations especially contemporary conversations which compare like global politics i mean <laughs> even though like i'm really really passionate about like directly comparing uh, i suppose peripheral countries politics to each other i i suppose yeah. it almost becomes kind of inescapable Uh, to also grapple with to what extent we are like not just negatively but also positively too influenced by uh, the politics that we all follow that's happening in the United States for example when you uh, when you were talking about not being able to disengage from BJP voters or uh, you know not kind of disowning them as being like totally separate from you as kind of being aware of the fact that you know India is this community that you are a part of, you know whether you are critical of it or not, and yeah. uh, it reminds me a lot about what the whole world observed in the United States with all these American lefties. I think this has been hmm. happening since like George Bush got elected. Um, yeah, and, um, a, a lot of lefties they kind of like have this reflex of disowning and kind of. Uh, Dismissing people as ignorant. I I think this becomes particularly relevant because the the kind of white supremacist racism that we are a victim of, uh, we find when other Western, when other Americans, when other Europeans, when other white people do not confront it themselves then we find ourselves in a position where we have to be confronted by it. You see what I mean? Like, because they feel like they are disengaged and they disown the community that they're a part of and they refuse to engage it.
1: Hmm.
0: And we find ourselves having to deal with the consequences of that, not them. And what I've always found to be, like when I feel like when I am the victim of this kind of dynamic, I can learn the lesson of not repeating that in the politics that I have back home. Like, I do not have the luxury of disowning uh, AKP voters because of their racism and sexism. On one yeah. level or another, I need to be able to find a way of confronting them so that the Actually, people yeah. who are the targets of their bigotry uh, don't have to so like yeah. what, one of the things that annoys me the most is when white people come and tell me stories about like their I, I i don't have i don't hear these kinds of stories anymore because i have basically for my mental health i have cut off <laughs> right? like who come and yeah. say to me stuff like oh like oh i hate christmas dinners with my family because they're so racist and they keep talking <laughs> me and, they, and i i don't Like, why are you telling me that you don't confront, like not confronting them is a mistake to begin with and telling me that you do not confront them or like that you do not engage with them, that you're like, you are telling me the story to make sure that I know that you're so different from your family, but you don't understand that I actually would prefer for you to confront these people. Otherwise they're going to confront me.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like expecting yeah. brownie points for not stepping up to your responsibility is like, no.
1: And for not acknowledging the histories that you are part of and you possibly like benefit from it. It doesn't make any sense. And that's the thing. Yes. Like I feel like the moment that we become, and I think that it's come, you know, I think that in India, the moment that we become so polarized that we can't talk to each other mm-hmm. um, is the moment that we're done, like defeated, mm-hmm. finished. And I think that uh, there is a point now Because I didn't grow up in a wealthy kind of setting. And my, Mm. you know, my parents are not... Like, I am, like, a different kind... Like, I have a different upbringing (laughs) and things Mm. to them. It's only because they, like, very much aspire to that and orchestrated that. Now, a lot of my friends' families will be more holistic in the way that they talk about politics. Like, they'll all agree. But within mine, not always, you know? Like, not always. And, like, especially with neighbours and things like that. I'm just like, yeah, I... I'm tired and I'm angry with these people, but I'm the moment that I step away and I break away from them. Now I can. I'm not a person that the government is after. You know, I'm not. Well, I'm not an Indian Muslim. Like I'm not. My body is not on the line right now. Like you know, I'm not someone from a marginalised caste background. My my my body's not been on the line for a very long time in that case, and I can have these conversations without those people directly affronting me. So, is it not my responsibility then? to actually have these conversations instead of expect the people who it's hardest for. Uh, I guess as a woman, yeah, it is a bit hard, like, that way. But it is, like, I do feel a certain sense of responsibility to, like, take on that, you know? Like, it isn't easy for a lot of people I know to have these conversations, people that are attacking them directly. So then it's not enough to me to, like, bridge that, like, put myself on the line. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I think about quite a lot. But it's also this kind of, like, American idea of, liberalism that has had like leaked into our own liberal classes here like our elite like westernized liberal classes is very much to be intolerant of the other which is the major complete like majority of this country i know uh, is really unhealthy because you're completely ostracizing most of the country but also the theories that they're succumbing to or the kind of logic that they're using is just not something that translates into a country where you have to rub shoulders with everybody all the time you know it's not like it's not like I can live in this world where, I mean, I can't, but even they can't live in this world where they like, don't interact with anyone anymore. Like, they like the, these are the people that will have staff members in their houses of, like, 20 people cleaning and serving them and, like, bringing vegetables. And, you know, it's a, these are intimate societies. You can't every day expect to meet somebody that matches you on an ideological, political mm-hmm. level. Like, I, I see seven people a day. Like, I, I see like people all the time you see people to buy eggs from. i see the milkman i see i see the uncle that sells me vegetables i go down i see a man that mans the building these are all connections so what are you going to do just shut yourself off like not talk to people that like differ from you so i think that the most important thing uh, and i I'm, I'm assuming these are like similar things as well in turkey right like communities are just more intricate and interwoven than they are in the west so it's very easy for them to be like yeah i didn't even like talk to my parents Dinner, but I can't imagine a South Asian person being at dinner and like not speaking to your parents because they have a certain that's just not something like my best friend, um, whose house I'm at right now. Actually, her her parents are quite, quite like intense BJP uh voters, oh, right. they're like manic, yeah. Like, and you know, and she's her dad, her she's she was born to them very late, so they're very old, they're like, I mean, very old for parents, like, she's 30 and they're like almost 80 so they're like oh. older parents you know oh, right. so um, yeah so she's like their primary carer and she's very much involved in their life now she um is different from them she's not heterosexual that's one thing and like it's just like a whole thing that she has to play act in front of her parents but she's just like everybody thinks i have this option to abandon them just because they happen to be a certain political stand but i she can't do that and i it's just this is I can't imagine in South Asia that families work in a way that like what people will be like, oh, you know, at Thanksgiving, we walked out on our families the whole yes, time, yes. of course. So that's not an option we have, you know. You like You can't like, are they're they're, there's no like institutions to take care of these people. Like uh, if tomorrow it doesn't matter how much my parents piss me off, like I might not talk to them, but like I do, I am responsible for them mm-hmm. in these societies. So you can't actually retract yourself even from your family, I think you can't retract yourself from your community even. like, I feel answerable to every person I see every day. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's like, yeah, it's a lot and it's a lot of work. Now, if we don't talk to each other, if we don't figure it out, I don't actually believe we can be a more healthy country. know, Like it's not, it's not possible to just be in these little bubbles and walk around. Um, it's, I find yeah, that just kind just of not, like
0: beyond its impossibility. I kind of find that undesirable also.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think there's this way of like um my my my my my cousin brother, my little brother who grew up with me, he goes to like he's just from like a family that's quite much wealthier than ours is, uh, because his parents are and he goes to this like he goes to like the first liberal arts college in Delhi. Uh I went to like state university, you know, like usually everybody does. And now we have liberal arts schools and he goes to one and uh, all of these kids are much more kind of endowed and like language-wise, they just like, no more. And they cut people off much easier than I do. So they just be like, yeah, we're not talking to, like, one, two, three, four, five people, it, irrespective of, like, their social uh, class or, like, their position in society, they would be like, yeah, this person is a bhakti. You know, like, do the, like, label thing. But for me, it's just like, yeah, we can't. It's just too simplistic to apply, um, like, some people vote for the BJP because they were broke and someone promised them a house. Like, the the woman that took care of my grandmother before she died, she's a nurse. She's from Maharashtra and she uh, migrated into Delhi. And I know that she voted BJP two times because one BJP worker came to her house and said, I will give you a mm-hmm. stable place to live. And now, she's not, like, a novelty. This is most people, like, this is most people that, like live in a country that like where property and rights and food is controlled by a certain elite population um you know will like so there's a lot to think about so to kind of polarize ourselves in the on the base of the way the west does it is bizarre like it's just it's not like it's just we shouldn't do that i really hope we don't
0: about what you said earlier about the uh, kind of promises of, of kind of like wealth to voters in turkey there was this thing which was kind of like it was always making me quite angry from the beginning it's it's not it's still i guess repeated it to to a certain extent but there is this kind of uh, opposition line especially during the 2013 gezi protests when like there were like these big um big protests all over the country against the government one of the things that a lot of people protesting were saying was that people who vote for akp they just vote because akp kind of gives them bags of coal uh okay they were accusing these voters of being unprincipled of not kind of having the ideological backbone to vote for the party that they want to vote for because they have been bought by something as simple as a bag of coal or even they said for um pack of just like pasta you know and yeah. um and they would sing this like so casually and i can't help each time they've said this i would just be so enraged because yeah you you say you say yourself that you're living in a country where people are so desperate for a bag of coal or for a bit of food that they would kind of vote for whoever gives them a bag of coal and you live in this country, and yet you are outraged by who these people vote for, not, not by the fact that there are people who are desperate to heap themselves in the winter. That I find to be, like you said about like the Congress party or the Jehepe over here, that I find to be, if somebody were to ask me to summarize everything that was wrong with that view of the world, with
1: the yeah.
0: certain aspect of the opposition and why people are so tired of voting for a party like that i mean i think this yeah. in itself is kind of fairly sufficient you are you are cold in the winter you are starving and people yeah. look at you sneeringly uh for your desperation then you would of course go and vote for the other party not because they gave you a bag of coal just but also because yeah. all these other people who want your vote they think you're disgusting simply because you are unable to heat yourself simply because you have a job. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I feel like a lot of this, um, now that you're telling me this, I honestly like, you know, it's something that we talk about all the time. I feel like why (laughs) I wish we could like learn from one another a bit more than um, like have the West infiltrate political discourse the way that it does. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like this has been a really, Kind of similar problem here to like kind of look down on, you know, just like look and yeah, like very much like an like liberals tend to be like anti religious, which is mm. which is like it's not it's not going to solve anything in a country that is predominantly people of faith. Like mm. this is not if you're going to talk about usefulness and moving forward, exactly. it's not going to help, it's not going to help anyone. So, uh, you know, and like there was this whole thing with I remember with COVID vaccine as well, like all of these are like, kind of like elite liberal minded. Um, Journalists were like, "Yeah, because like people in this country will only do something if it's connected to the divine," and it's like, "Yeah, well, yes, all right, like that's just that is the mode of function, yeah." And um,
0: it, it will, will help. Do something if it's connected towards.
1: If like connected to like, temp- so basically, like you know, like there was like some they they were talking about how people are trying to make temples into places where people are going to get vaccinations. Uh-huh. People are less inclined towards Western in medicine than they are towards. You know worship and oh, I um, see. Okay. yeah so then they were like looking down on the people for that and it's like yeah come on okay. of course like a thing that you have never known you don't have a uh you don't have the language for like why would you trust it uh whereas some place you go every day of your life to yeah. pray if that place tells you this is what you should do to get healthier why wouldn't you trust that well, so yeah. it's just really it's really banal to be like looking down on people of faith for um, I just, I just find it so harmful and so stupid. Uh, you know, just like I, it's just beyond me how people plan to create a country like a healthy country with this kind yes. of mindset.
0: Actually, that. our early conversation had got me thinking also about the um, when when we were talking earlier about you know kind of confronting or having difficult discussions with uh, with the people that we are surrounded with, but we don't share the same political opinions with. I was also thinking about. How that is important in the term, in terms of um, vaccine conspiracies, which which what you just said has kind of tied into that as well, because a lot of the material that I had seen, I don't know, I think it was WHO or like some some kind of authority about how to convince people to get vaccinated. And Hmm. a lot of the authoritative sources on that, there's like some original research that has been done about convincing people to get vaccinated or like convincing them to abandon their ideas about uh, the conspiracies involved in it. And they were saying that the first thing you need to do is not to treat them like idiots because they are vaccinated. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I think um, there are some People who have like conspiracy theories about the vaccines that I can sympathize with a great deal and some others that I find to be like really, really difficult to engage with. Like, for example, there was there were these reports about uh, African-American communities in the US um, kind of expressing doubt about getting vaccinations. And I've seen, like, forums, internet, like, Twitter, whatever. I have seen a bunch of kind of, like, white people going on about, like, oh, it's, like, so terrible that, you know, African-Americans are doing this. Because, like, they want African-Americans to be, like, that progressive community. Yeah. Which is going to be, like, a locomotive for the Democratic Party or Bernie Sanders or whatever yeah. the hell they want, you know. But yeah. they do not they do not appreciate the history of something like the Tuskegee Experiments for... for Like from uh, until like the 1960s, from as early as 1930s to 60s or 70s, for 30, 40 years, uh, there was this kind of place called Tuskegee where American medical researchers have like infected African-Americans with, uh, what was it they infected with? Uh, I forgot what the disease was, but they were infecting them to test the results of what this disease would do to them, like with syringes, you know, through vaccinations. This is a 30, 40 years history of recorded history. And when you look at that, you shouldn't be able to easily kind of dismiss the doubts that these people have about the new process of vaccination.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. That's really interesting, I didn't know about that. But yeah, it obviously has to like, I feel like the vaccination also has like, culturally translate right like mm-hmm. honestly i wouldn't be getting it if like people were not getting it around me like it's not like i if i was the only person in my neighborhood that was getting the vaccination i'd be really okay with it you know so i feel like it does have to like have appeal um yeah yes. and if it's the the way is to put it in temples that's the way like to
0: Absolutely. kind of like look
1: at, yeah and like if it's the way is to put it in masjids and tell people like that oh yeah like after you go and you pray, then you get the vaccination, you come back. Because it's also kind of like a way to, like, integrated into it into people's daily ritual, right? Like, ev- like people go up to pray every day, and then they get the vaccination, and instead of, like, making it, like, an outside thing. So, yeah, and I feel like it's just really bad taste to you know, take it from life itself, because COVID very much has, like, impacted societies the way that they exist. So, like, why should the vaccination be something that is like a outstander in this thing. I think like it definitely needs to be integrated. And that's the only way that they're going to be able to get this moving. You know, because I mean, here too, like where I live, like it's only when people get vaccinated, other people get vaccinated. Like my, my father got vaccinated because his friends got vaccinated. Like my neighbors got vaccinated, not because he was like, especially keen or whatever, like, you know, like I look forward to be it. But like him, he was more like, oh, this person got vaccinated. So I'm just going to go with him. (laughs) <laughs> it's like oh, a, it's like yeah, yeah. It's like community thing. So you have to like make it, you have to make it that. Otherwise, otherwise it's lost on people. Like it doesn't matter. Like you are as an individual are going to be better, and you know you can travel uh, around the world with this. Like honestly, nobody gives a fuck. You know? Like one, they are not individuals, and two, they never really like went out soaring in the rest of the world. No? So like it does have to be something that like appeals to the sensibility of people, like for their lives um, so yeah how is it um, how is the situation there now with the vaccines
0: oh, with the vaccinations um, I think it has kind of picked up pace up until last week it was kind of 50 plus and it had been mm-hmm. 60 plus for a very long time since vaccinations okay. arrived here which was a I don't know um, maybe beginning of this year in the winter and okay. just now i think either yesterday or today it has dropped to fourteen and above but right. there has been these things here like okay they have started vaccinating musicians like, if All you right. are registered as a musician like you can get vaccinated now and quite a few of my musician friends have just got vaccinated in the last week and we've been talking about it about like why that might be and one of them said because of tourism because Turkey's desperate right now to get some tourists over and they want to have live musicians at bars and whatnot so that tourists can be... And a couple of, I think like a month or two ago, there was this kind of like public relations campaign as like a tourism board, like global advertising campaign,
1: Hmm. uh,
0: which was advertising. Okay, everyone who is working, like the health minister came out and said, Like everyone that a tourist is going to be in contact with will be vaccinated. So they have have launched this big campaign of like vaccinating tourism industry workers. Like the Turkish Airlines is like really big company. They have vaccinated everyone in Turkish Airlines quite early on. And they have released this advertising campaign uh, where a bunch of Turkish people are kind of milling about, like serving tourists, like, I don't know, like daikeries or some shit. And they're all, oh, <laughs> they're all wearing these masks that says, enjoy, I'm vaccinated. And it was Mad. just like the most <laughs> undignified thing that I have seen in ages.
1: That is so, that is so screwed up.
0: <laughs> it's just so is- like, a lot of people on Twitter and stuff, they were making these jokes about like, uh, so like i'm like walking around and then this tourist sees me and they start like they turn to someone and they say is he vaccinated and the guy says yes so they start petting me going like good boy you know it's it's, it's as if like we're this nation of pets <laughs> that is
1: so i mean um i just i don't know that amuses me and disturbs me at the same time same here, <laughs>
0: it's same just, here.
1: yeah it's just so horrible i also heard this thing where like my friend lives in switzerland um in she swiss was telling England. me that like swiss people yeah she was like swiss people don't want to get vaccinated because they don't want to put like some swiss people don't want to put like foreign elements in their body yeah. <laughs> you never know, hear about these like fucking rich white people who are like oh you know this is not organic whack vaccines or whatever yes. like, shut up man.
0: see this is the, this is the kind of stuff that drives me crazy when i was talking earlier about like people who still remember like the tuskegee experiments having doubts about it but others like i don't know rich californians or whatever don't want to get vaccinated because it's not organic and stuff that is the stuff that drives me yeah
1: but but you never hear about that stuff in the news right like they put this whole thing like i remember like religious people and whatever in like sudan don't want to get vaccinated but Mm. it's not like like lifestyle junkies in geneva (laughs) just not taking the vaccine like no one ever talks about that you know which is yeah, which is much more One of a challenge. What I was
0: astounded by is that the only places where we saw people pouring out to the streets with the specific purpose of demonstrating against vaccinations and COVID regulations, they were like the developed world. You know, this happened in Germany. Yeah. This happened in France. This happened all over the place in the United States. They were even kind of like yeah. in the United States. They even had like weapons and stuff going around. And yeah, they're like because... giving... yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, the militias and things, right?
1: Yeah, like the, you know, there was that, like, give me liberty or give me death. Stamp. Yes, yes, yes, oh, yes. God, I was just like, come on, this is just making everything worse. But, yes. you know, weirdly enough, like, in the media, you'd never see, like, they, even if they reported it, you'd never see that being a part of studies or anything, you know? But, like, anybody that's holding the world back to, like, becoming healthier is always immigrants and, like, people in the Global South and things like that. So, it's just, I mean, it's just, like, a poor way to look at the world um or they
0: or like all these other people in the west are kind of portrayed as uh, with the imagery of primitivism primitivism that they associate with the quote-unquote what they call undeveloped world yeah yeah
1: my god what a what what a racket um i'm afraid now that my like a day ago my aunt told me that europe is opening up visa applications again Huh? and uh, i haven't been to brussels in belgium where i like you know i've been meaning to go back just because like i've not been since i left in
0: 2017
1: and down like memory lane. <laughs> yeah basically yeah. but it's given me so much anxiety to go back to like applying to visas and begging to be let into the country yeah. and just generally like that you know blissfully i forgot about that stuff and i'm like if you're isolated what? from europe at least you're isolated from their bullshit.
0: Or also, if you like, so. if you like, I can send you a uh, enjoy unvaccinated mask so that you can wear it <laughs> for your visa application. Yeah. <laughs> I just walking in I actually really want one of really. these. <laughs> well, I kind of wonder where I could get one from because it would definitely be like a historic souvenir.